The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. LinkedIn presents... Welcome to the Brown Table Talk. I am DC Marshall, founder and CEO of Diverse and Engaged, Wall Street alum, and LinkedIn top voice on racial equity. And I'm here with my co-host, Mita. Hey there, Mita. Hey there, D. I'm Mita Malik, a business leader, a DEI champion, and a mom. My superpower is storytelling. And Mita and I started Brown Table Talk as a place to spill the tea on the hard truths women of color face in their workplaces. From my perspective as a Black woman and from Mita, her view as a South Asian woman. At our table, we unpack it all. We won't leave any juicy details out. And then we provide you with tips you need on not how to survive, but how do you thrive in organizations or wherever you are. All right. So this episode, I'm super excited. So Mita, why don't you tell them what we're talking about today? Yeah. So, you know, Dee and I listen to our community, all of you reaching out on topics that you want us to talk about, and also just really thinking about what's top of mind in the marketplace. And wow, Dee, quietly quitting. This has taken over TikTok. It's taken over all of my social media Mm -hmm. feeds. And this idea of, are you quietly quitting or are you just finally setting boundaries? And so I really want to have that conversation with you today. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, I know you are an executive. Well, what stories have you heard? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm getting this from a number of different angles, and it's interesting to watch what people are saying. I have my thoughts on why, but yeah, I'm just curious. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? I am hearing, like, I feel like I saw something, two really interesting things. One was that, corporate America is taking on a branding campaign. And so they had to brand it quietly quitting instead of calling it people setting boundaries. How hilarious is that? And I can't, I, you know, I love giving people credit, but I tired, my kids kept me up. I don't have coffee. I don't remember who it was, but I saw somebody post this and I thought it was genius. I saw something else was really interesting. A black woman on LinkedIn, again, I'd love to give credit, but I don't remember the name saying black women have been doing this for years. Why are we talking about this now? I was like, wow. And so here's the thing. It's like, I love my job. I care about my job. I don't love it more than my family. And I don't love it more than myself. And so I think setting boundaries is important. And you're going to hear us talk about this season. Yay, season four. You're going to hear us talk about burnout. And burnout is real. And so I think just the after the two and a half years of what we've been through as a country, as a globe, as a world communities as we're still in this pandemic, in and out of it, whatever this next new chapter looks like, we're tired. People are tired. Yeah, people are tired. People are protecting their sanity. They're protecting their health. They're protecting their space. People are really clear since the pandemic. People are, you know, I think that's why we're in the great resignation, which you, my friend, will remind us, no, it's the great awakening. People are woke. You know, I think we could still say say that where, where we live. We could still say woke. People are still woke. 
You know, in some places you can't even say woke. (laughs) But uh, but people are really prioritizing and reprioritizing themselves in a way that I don't think we had seen in, you know, previous seasons or previous generations. Like, you know, when I first started my career, it was, no, you you have to do the most and you have to take on additional work. And in fact, it was, you were cautioned to not say, well, that's not my job because you would then lose your job. It was all oh, about, yes. it was all about, yes. no, you, you, yes. you take on additional stuff and you don't, you don't talk about that. So this is really interesting. And I like the piece about it's a branding campaign and corporate came up with it. Whoever, whoever came up with that, <laughs> like that is genius. Oh, please. It was genius. Somebody said, oh God, I have to go back through my feed. But D, let me ask you this question that's been swirling in my head. Do you think women of color have the privilege to be bold and unapologetic and say, I am quietly quitting? <laughs> without there being repercussions. I don't know who's saying I'm quietly quitting. But you know this idea of setting boundaries quietly, exactly all the things you said. Because I know there are different standards for me in the workplace. I have to show up differently. I have to act differently. I have to put in more work and put in more points on the board. So how does that, my career development advancement, how does that actually work with quietly quitting? Yeah, I'm going to say this. I'm almost sure Black women are not. They can't. They can't. They can't. They can't respond and buy into this theme, this new brand campaign. Now, I do believe Black women have already been quietly quitting, but there's not an announcement. There's no campaign. There's no campaign because then it shows up differently for us, right? It's in the performance appraisal. It's in the additional opportunity promotion and so on and so forth. But, but let me just tell you what I also believe about this quiet quitting and what I love about it. I'm almost sure like come everybody come in, but the millennials and Gen Z, I love them. They are so boss and bold and unapologetic. They're like, we're out deuces. It's five. No, no, Karen, I'm not doing that. No, Karen, Gen Karen, Gen what? Yeah. Like, I really, I'm telling you, millennials and Gen Z, can I just say I love y'all? I know. Because guess what? They are like, no, no, Karen. D, D, you want me to do what? No, actually, no, I, I have a flight to Bali. Like, I, no, I'm not doing that. Well, and I will say, I could be corrected, but based on what I've been reading and the research in the in the marketplace, it's Gen Z who they're, mm-hmm. they're, they say are driving this. I'm not saying others aren't participating, but it is sort of being ignited by Gen Z, as you're saying. You see, I love them. Secretly, I love them. They are, can we just do a sidebar real quick? They are so disruptive in a good way. I'm here for it. We needed you all. Mm-hmm. I need, we needed these yes. Gen Zs. Yes. These are our kiddies, our niece, our nephew. Like the, the, we needed them to disrupt the status quo. Like they're like, yeah, our parents are stressed out. My sister, my auntie, like, you know, she's having heart palpitations while we're over here, heart palpitations oh and, you know, trips yeah. to the ER. Gen Z is like, oh no, no, that's, that's not our story. We're not doing that. You know what? It's interesting. We talk about this and I'll tee this up. One of our episodes is about burnout is being real this season. And Dee and I have a pretty kind of conversation on burnout I've experienced as a mom working. I was going to say outside of the home, but now it's in my home because everything is all in one. But it is this like, 
you know, it's, it's been this perpetual burnout and exhaustion for over two years now. And so at some point, you're just like enough with the screens, enough with showing up in an office where I'm Zooming from people who are sitting at home or vice versa. And it's the constant, my commute was gone. I'm now, is my hair brushed? Did I brush my teeth? I'm rolling up to my laptop at 8 a.m. and starting, right? No more potholes, no more traveling to Starbucks. I think we're all getting back into the rhythm of sort of reclaiming parts of our former life. But I think this is also driving this like boundary setting enough. Yeah, I've talked about the boundary setting from the perspective of first thing in the morning. I've usually shared, you know, the success routine and guarding and protecting your space. So I, I really believe that. Typically for high-level leaders, I've always shared, you know, what's your success routine? Walk me through that. And what are you doing first thing in the morning? That's a boundary. Like what what time are you open for business? If it's not you choosing to be open at seven and eight and answer email, you need to guard that. Quiet quitting before you start is setting the boundary that you're not available to respond to an email before whatever it is that you decide or whatever is required. And then it's also not responding after whatever the quit time is. Like, no, there is there used to be a quit time, people. There was a quit time. There was like, it used to be like, you know, like five, six or whatever, but it, you know, we've moved into, because we live in a highly social digital world, it just seems that hours and days and work days and work times all run together with the exception of maybe on the weekend. And so I've shared that in that episode around burnout, I believe. But here is what I also want to share about this uh, quietly quitting or is it boundary setting? And there are three themes that I think are also driving this. One is psychological safety. Corporations right now, or I should say in the last few years, have become much more aware of their responsibility and liability around protecting psychological safety. And that comes with inclusive culture, right? So psych safety is attached to taking greater care of people and culture. So I think that's one thing that's driving this quietly quitting. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One.
The second thing that I think is driving this is during the pandemic, the bosses were assigning more because they, you know, you physically can't see people. And so believing that, you know, I need to assign more when no, this is all I could do within this window of time. So I think the lines were moved, the territory was moved. And so I think that's some of this, that's a second thought. The third thought about what's driving this idea of quietly quitting or boundary setting is there's been a shift since the diversity tipping point. And the diversity tipping point is the period beginning May of 2020 when corporate America back then really began speaking out on Black Lives, air quotes, uh, do matter and began really listening much more intently about systemic racism and things, things of that nature. And so I think this idea of quietly quitting versus boundary setting is you are finding Black folks are boundary setting because there is the thought and idea and the awareness of what some would say, why are, why are you talking about this, D. Marshall? But for Black folks, I'm a Black woman, and for Black folks, we're measuring, assessing, and thinking about this feels too close to 1619, and 1619 is the, the story of enslaved people brought to this country, my people brought to this country. And so for some Black people, it's thinking about when you ask me to do something. So if I work for a big corporation and you ask me to do something beyond the scope of my job, I am now much more aware that this feels like, you know, being taking it taking advantage of or it it now feels more like free labor. So I think this idea of quietly quitting versus boundary setting, I think there's some additional drivers in addition to Gen Z whom I love love love. I do think it's like safety people are guarding and calling it out. I do think it's, you know, again, the overextending. And so folks are like, no. And then I do think there is this theme and idea since we're in a new space, since the diversity tipping point, Black folks are like, no, that sounds like free and free is canceled. Free is canceled, which we've talked about at our table before. You know, going back to the Great Awakening as well, I think people are just like done with toxic, abusive workplaces. I am not going to be available, always ready, always on 24-7. And I, am I an Uber app? Am I your Uber Eats oh, app, right? You just call me and I'm available anytime to do work. But it is so interesting though. Haven't we been trained to live in this on-demand economy? I want a burrito right now, right as we're recording. Let me, let me to get my phone. Let me order the burrito. And as we're done, the burrito will show up and I will oh eat it. Oh my goodness. Right. And, and so it's like this idea of like everything was available all the time as a consumer. And then all of a sudden at work, we feel that we're always available, always on, that we have to be. And I struggle with this deal a lot. And I've struggled with it in my career is that am I going to be perceived as lazy, disengaged, unambitious, uninterested if I am? setting boundaries, which is probably why we're quietly quitting. It's quiet, not loudly. Because if you're going to loudly quit, give your resignation and walk out the door, right? And sidebar, as people of color, we can't loud quit or we can't announce quit because guess what? Then we're fired. But you can be if you're of another. So anyway, go ahead, finish your point. No, no, you're right. You're right. So we're not quietly. If we're going to loudly, I don't even know another topic for another time. If If I even have the privilege to loudly quit, I don't. I'm just going to quit and leave. But this quietly quitting, 
I think that's also like, it is that perception of what is my boss going to think of me as I'm setting these boundaries? How will I be perceived at work? But, you know, one of the things I, I had a friend, actually our good friend, Callie Schweitzer, who's over at LinkedIn, she sent me this article recently from Elle Magazine talking about how I'm going to botch the title, but it's really about how this movement of women becoming less ambitious and what that means. And so Adam Grant posted about ambition not too long ago. And I remember reposting his post saying, you know, the pandemic killed my ambition, but it did fuel me to really think about impact and how I want to be a better human and leader. And so I think with all the grief and loss and pain of the last like two plus years, it sort of resets. What does ambition mean tied to quietly quitting? And I think for allies listening, for anyone who's managing people and teams, many of us still love our jobs. We're not saying we don't like our jobs. We're just saying we're not an Uber app and we're not going to work 24-7. Because if, if you burn us out, then you have nothing left of us, right? Then you've lost us. So anyways, that's also, I think, interesting tied to people's feelings about yeah, ambition. I like that. I'll have to take a look. And I do think so much is being rewritten. The worker contract is being rewritten. Like part of this quiet quitting and boundary setting is part of that new worker contract. And it's a worker's market. Like, you know, in real estate, there's a buyers and a sellers. Right now it's a worker's market. And so quiet quitting is part of that, part of guarding and protecting our space. I hope that the unintended consequence of quiet quitting isn't that leaders are going to start even more micromanaging more. Oh, I heard about quiet quitting. Oh, is D logging off at five? Oh, where's DC Marshall? It's 5.05 and her green light on Skype or blue jeans or WhatsApp or whatever. You know, I have clients who uh, reach out after hours and, and I don't respond. And my team is not to respond. They are, some of them, I mean, they work their own schedule. And so some will work at 7 p.m. I'm like, nope, do not send an email after 7. I said, you got to, you have to schedule it. You have to schedule it because although they're working and managing their own schedule, I don't want it to send the wrong message. I don't want that. I don't want them to believe that that's what we're doing. Nope, we are not. And and it doesn't add value and it doesn't take away. Like, So could I be a CEO and running a boutique consulting firm today and have standard hours? Yes, we do. We have standard hours. In fact, we used to have summer hours. Say that again. Standard hours of operating. You mean you're not open 24-70? What? Nope. And we're a growing firm. We what? are, right? We are a growing boutique firm. We're high growth. And yep, we have standard hours. And so much so, a couple years ago, we had summer hours, four days, four days. Oh, um, by the way, uh, what I learned from corporate is next year, we're doing that week of rest. In fact, I think LinkedIn did that. I'm like, oh, we're doing that. And so, yep, the whole team vacation paid a week of rest. We're doing that. In fact, we're probably going to do our week of rest after, I think it's the week after Juneteenth versus the 4th of July, because that's when we need to rest. Sidebar, you know, I could go down a path of that. But my point is redefining and clarifying expectations. We have standard hours and we're we're just going to call it, it, it's more protecting and setting boundaries. I think that's what this is. 
We yeah. like to find new language. I'm going to loop back from where we started, which was the genius person on social media who said it's a campaign by corporate America to brand it as quiet <laughs> quitting. It's called boundary setting. And so I think about like my own team and how I lead my team. I have no idea where they are right now, right? If it's like a Wednesday at noon, I know what they're working on though. We're meeting like every other day. We're doing stand-ups. We're meeting multiple times a week. We are driving to impact. I'm not micromanaging. Oh, did you log on to Slack? How many hours? Because you know what, what is concerning, and I want leaders listening in to hear this, is this also trend of monitoring people online. Like, are you working? When are you working? Did you log in? How many emails did you send? Did you not send emails? Did you not send Slack? And then I think with this branding of quietly quitting, I'm concerned about how that's going to show up in our workplaces, particularly for women of color. Yeah, I like that call out about monitoring because that's a problem. That's going in reverse. Again, if we think about the Great Awakening and the new worker contract, monitoring is canceled. In fact, the evaluation should even be canceled in the way that we currently think about evaluation and evaluate results and outcomes versus activity and hours, right? Trading hours for dollars. I do think a lot of this is going to land in the new worker contract. Is anybody working on that, by the way? And let us say this to wrap this before we go to the tips for everybody tuning in. This really is about us holding the space for women of color and also helping allies, advocates, and champions do better, be better. That's really what this is about. And I want to I want to leave with this question for allies listening, because I think this is a really important one that I'm going to just leave this for you all to think about. Do we have different standards for different people who set boundaries? And I would say yes. Mic so drop. if you are Mic a drop. white man who's setting ba- boundaries... And is going to, I'll use a bad stereotype of golf or ultimate frisbee or soccer or things that you enjoy doing. Or I would say, you know, a whole other episode on like the fatherhood premium and the motherhood penalty when a dad is like, I'm going to pick up my kids from daycare. Yeah, cheers. And the mother is quietly doing it because she's going to, it's going to be held against her, right? We've seen that play out over and over again. So do you hold the white man on your team to a different standard when he is quietly quitting versus the woman of color, let's say me, a brown woman who all of a sudden seems lazy, disinterested, disengaged, but I'm doing what he's doing. I'm setting boundaries. So I think that's the lens I want people to think about this through as well, like why this matters in terms of how the bias can show up on our teams. All right. So awesome conversation on quiet quitting versus boundary setting. And as I like to say, we'll leave any tips over at browntabletalkpodcast.com, but I'm going to share them live and then hand it over to Mita and she's going to wrap us up. And so tip number one, and this is really for leaders, leading teams, allies, leading teams, people leaders. Tip number one is let's call things by their right name and it's called boundary setting. So just I want you to rethink that this is really boundary setting. It's not necessarily quiet quitting. We don't need a rebrand on boundary setting. And then number two, for leaders leading teams, allies leading teams, people leaders, allow and honor your team's boundaries. And so um, whatever that might be, whether it's the time that they sign on or the time that they sign off 
or the role and the responsibility, what you committed to during perhaps the job description, just being clear and allowing and honoring individuals' boundaries so that they can show up and give their best self, give 100% to the job, and so that you all will win. Because we can all win here, everybody. And so, Mita, over to you for number three. Well, number three, as my friend D.C. Marshall would say, on the list of things being canceled, different standards for different people, canceled, canceled, canceled. If D&I are setting boundaries, just like other people on the team are, perhaps the white man on the team, I will not accept that I'm now lazy, disengaged, unambitious, disinterested. No, no, no. We won't accept those labels because we are setting boundaries just like everyone else so we can show up, as Dee says, refueled, recharged, and able and excited to re-engage at work. Well, Dee, this is season four, LinkedIn Podcast Network. Thank you all for being here at the Brown Table Talk podcast. If you loved what we had to say, please leave us a review. Share it with friends and colleagues who are looking for community and conversation. And here we go, D, season four. Looking forward to seeing you all soon. Thanks. Side effects of listening to Brown Table Talk may include allies unleashed, getting paid more, and a dose of badassery all the way around. More at www.browntabletalkpodcast.com.